In today's episode of the Amman Wire podcast. People are not going to follow the law just because it, it is it is coming from the it is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or it is correct or it is the right. No. People follow the law because of their adherence to Allah Ta'ala and the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Prophet invested 13 years in Mecca, just no laws, no no laws, no, no laws no whatsoever on the spiritual part of it. So when the laws came in, they were ready to do whatever, whatever it is. The 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 the, the foundation was extremely strong to carry on the the, the edifice of, of law and the edifice of, of, of building a society and so on and so forth. So for, for us, at this moment right now, the challenge is not just to say to, to figure out what is the halal and what is the halal. The, the, the challenge is to make our, our community and especially our youth believe that there is meaning in Islam. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Iman Wire podcast. Salim here, joined by my two co-hosts today, Irfan Nuruddin. Assalamu alaikum. How's it going, Salim? Alaikum salam. And joining us is another co-host that we're delighted to have, finally have on is Samuel Zaharna. Assalamu alaikum, Samuel. Alaikum salam. I'm glad to be on the podcast. Alhamdulillah for the first time. <laughs> and joining us is uh, Sheikh Hassan Alachab, uh, who is a return guest and um, someone we're delighted to have back. Uh, for the, those of our listeners who've um, checked out some of our previous episodes, we've talked about Ahlul Bayt with him. We've talked about um, Sarib in Islam. And um, uh, one of the other episodes we did, Sheikh, was about... Um, uh, ab- about um, no the political quietism in yes, the Islamic tradition, and I, I actually think, and I'll let Irfan get into in a moment as we introduce the topic. But I think you know we're sort of that episode was sort of about how religion views politics in a way, and our topic, you know, we start to get in today is a, about an issue these days how politics almost views religion, and I'll let Irfan speak more about that. And- yeah, definitely. Obviously, we're in an election year, and I think it's oftentimes. Uh, um, given, unfortunately, in the last 12 years that we're going to have some discussion by candidates about Sharia law, creeping Sharia, which always sounds like there's a guy who's around a corner. But um, I think one of the things that's more interesting to me, as serious as that issue is with all these state legislatures, there's a lot of state legislatures passing and have been passing laws against Sharia law. But I think one of the problems sometimes is that we as Muslims may not fully understand or digest the breadth of how scholarship has changed throughout history and how that scholarship has allowed for the Sharia to be flexible in different contexts. And at sometimes when we in today's world, in our society, try to uh, utilize those uh, thought or those strictures or those principles, we in fact kind of almost suffocate ourselves with these, we kind of box ourselves in a little bit. So today I wanted to ask a question. I know we've had discussions on this too before. You know, a lot of us here have, had, alhamdulillah, had opportunities to study some primary Islamic text. Uh, and so I remembered uh, in my own studies, uh, we were doing the waraqat, and there was a principle about the fact that if a decision had been solved in the past, that that was precedent. Which is similar, you know, for Americans and for Muslims out there, if you understand how the Supreme Court works, you have legal precedent. And that's very important to understand. But the problem is that there then becomes no way, no avenue to bring up that issue again, to, to contextualize the issue. So some people feel very limited in what they can do in given situations. And this impacts the way everyone practices Islam in some respects. So the way they marry, the way they think about their wealth management, the way they think about their, you know, how they're going to raise their children and all these other issues that come up. We oftentimes have these ideas, yet we can't really fully understand where they came from. We just know that they're the rule 
or there are things that have been sought out or sorted out by scholarship of the path. So I wanted to get your take on how you feel Muslims should understand the pedagogy, the way in which the legal tradition in terms of the principles arose. How did that really happen in the Islamic tradition? I'm extremely delighted and happy to be um, in the Iman, Iman Wire podcast. Again, Rizakumullah for having me. Um, this is extremely um, important. This is extremely necessary discussion that we have to have as a community. Uh, it is a kind of elitist uh, discussion, but at the end of the, not in a, not in a negative way. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the, the ripple effect of, of this discussion is always uh, felt by, the, by, the, by the, the common Muslims and others, especially because this discussion is, is, um, is, um, is something that has been obliged upon us, is something that is forced on us, especially with, the, uh, with, with what's going on with the elections and so on and so forth. Um, again, the, the immediacy, the immediacy of, of the issue should not make us hasten to answer it in a way that is um, polemical. And what I mean by polemical, I just like to give an answer to somebody who's waiting for it just to shut them up. The reality is that this is a serious internal question that we have to have. And, it's, and it's, it's, uh, it stems from an, our understanding of the development of our, of our religion and development of, 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 our, of the Sharia. Um, um, let's start with the basic fact that nothing is nothing is sacred except that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent and that which the Prophet uttered and practiced. After that, every single thing is human and contextualized. A human being trying to do their best to realize the will of God and to practice it at the best of their abilities. When we start with this premise, every single thing now becomes, um, you know, I wouldn't say relative, that's not the word that I wanted, that I wanted to use, but human. And when I say human, in, you know, the development of the fiqh is a, human endeavor, is a human endeavor. It was a human endeavor. It's the faqih engagement with, with, the, with the text, trying to answer new questions and new inquiries and new, 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 um, new issues. Um, while the scholars are doing, while we're trying to go back and see what, how did, how did all of that um, develop, and how did all of that, how, how, what do we, how do we deal with that heritage? How do we deal with it? We have to go to the beginning again. There is a lot of light in the Sunnah of the Prophet There is a lot of light in the Quran. There is a lot of light, and if we don't, sometimes we elevate the, we elevate the past because we are in a downturn of historical downturn. One of the things, one of the psychological effect of people who are defeated is that they hang on into um, they hang on to the past in ways that are sometimes irrational and sometimes that are extremely um, emotional because that's where our that's when our legacies were built that's where our greatness were was and that this feeling goes back to this elevation of the tradition sometimes there is sometimes overlook a lot of things that are a lot of a lot of things that May, that, that needs to be changed. That needs to be looked at. That needs to be that needs to be contextualized. So let's look at first. And I know I'm I'm dragging this a little bit. Let's look first how, at how the the how the Prophet told us our history is going to be. And we talked about this before. This is extremely important. This is extremely crucial. The Prophet told us that that Islam from his time. Down is going to be, 
is going to be in a state of decline. So that which we really think as a golden age of Islamic scholarship and so on, in the terminology of the Prophet ﷺ was a decline. The ties of Islam, the knots of Islam are going to be untied one after one after one after one. And he said, so when, when one tie, when one knot will untie, people will hang on too tight to the next one until, no, until the first one to be, the, the first one that will, the first knot of Islam that will untie is good governance, justice. And the last one to be untied is prayer. And you would go, you go to the Muslim world right now and the adhan is called and people are sitting in the coffee shop drinking, right? So the idea in here is that, and this is not something that is unique to this hadith. There are a lot of other ahadiths. The Sahaba knew that Islam as it peaked with the Prophet ﷺ is going to go down. And this is extremely important. The extremely important view of our history. So the scholars, the tabi'in and tabi'at tabi'in, and so they realized this. So the proliferation of knowledge was not a sign of, was not a sign of greatness. It was a sign of something else. And you could look at the Qur'an and see any time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rebuked the people of the book, he, say, he rebukes them after he said we gave them knowledge. Look, look at any time. After they were given knowledge, they were, they were, they were misguided and they, were this and, the, and they had differences between them and so on and so forth. This is not to say that there is no genius in our tradition. There is great genius in our tradition. This is not to say that there is no greatness in what the scholars have produced. There is a lot of that. But just bear with me for a moment. The Prophet said that the scholars knew that they were actually in a state of preservation of something that is, that is getting lost. It's like they have something in their, it's like there are beans in their hands and they're trying their best to, to keep them to the chest as much as they can because they knew that those beans are going to spell one after one after one after one. And that's why when we understand the shara in this way, we understand the proliferation, we understand how the madahi proliferated, we understand how the, how, how even the formulation of maqasid sharia, even look at the formulation of the, the formulation of the objectives of the, of the sharia. How, how are they formulated? Tell me. Well, I mean, I think a lot of times people will say that when we look at the objectives of the sharia, they're really much about preservation. Ah, here so, we go. See, the word is to preserve this, preserve, preserve this, that, preserve, preserve that. that. And a lot of times that can be read as status quo, status quo. Exactly, status quo. exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so we're not into change, which means essentially to become something different. Exactly. We're not into becoming change makers, meaning to make things uh, better in a sense exactly. around us. We're about keeping it exactly. the way it is. Yeah. Exactly, well, well said. And that's why look at our political history. Look at our political theory. Yeah. Our political theory is is adept yeah. in in legitimizing the status quo, even if the status quo is horrible. Right. You know what I mean? It's adept. Look at you know the most adept among them is Imam Jawaini's Riyati. Uh, you know the book that he wrote for Nizam al Mulk, right. the, the political the, the political theory, and it's one of the most. It's it's way better, way deeper than, 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 you know, I'm talking theoretically. 
um, founded then 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 the then um uh, the almawardis there is there is there is you know yeah. heavens and it's heavens and earth you know difference, the heaven yeah. earth difference right even in there you could tell you could see you could really feel imam jawini agonizing about the fact that he's legitimizing despotism yeah he's agonizing but nonetheless is the best it. of bad decisions is the best of bad decisions so so to preserve was the mission of the scholars in the new it but now what is it to preserve now there was a reality to preserve islam had a reality had strength politically right. had strength uh, socially had strength um, you know in in many in many ways but what is it now to preserve yeah right? i think this is where maybe the, the notion of the maqasid now has to be about not just preservation but then allowing people to have the dignity like for example for life for free thought for those things that the sharia has there not just as a preservation aspect of maintaining that but then to actually go forward and actually expound upon that a little bit the more promotion further. not just yeah, the, exactly. yeah, the promotion not just preservation yeah exactly and can we can we is there anywhere that if we add another item to the six yeah or two or three would that be apostasy and i think one of the things that people don't realize this idea of the maqasid sharia is not something that was developed by the generation of the sahaba or something that was came out. obviously it's rooted in the, the those sure. essential and again like, like you mentioned in your introduction that it is something that all muslims have tried to go back understanding the jid the degenerative state of Islam, generation over generation, that they try to go back to that early generation and use that as source material to then construct something. Absolutely. So while the sophistication may have reached a height in Baghdad at a certain point, that was not the, so that was not necessarily the spiritual height or the religious height of, of the community. That happened with the Prophet himself. Absolutely. And I think that to remember that is not to get lost in this romanticism that, as you mentioned. Absolutely. And so I, I was going to ask you this next question. This might be a little bit different, but I thought, you know, when we talk about the qawaid of the sharia, the, and this is different than maqasid, but these different rules, there are really some practical, just getting along with people, ideas, that I feel a lot of times if Muslims understood that, they wouldn't make things mm -hmm. such a big deal. Like you have situations, and I'm just talking about in a, in a, in a professional setting, uh, I was at a corporate training, this is about a few years ago, and it was good that they did this, but it was very shocking. And I think afterwards, a lot of the Muslims in the company, we had a conversation about it. it was, we, everyone in the firm, over 3,000 people, over 300,000 people globally, but 3,000 people, in, 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 I think domestically, had to take this training. And in it was a, a, a featured Muslims. And so one of them was about people making wrong assumptions about the way Muslims dress and this and that, and how that type of language is not allowed in the corporate space. Fine. The other language that was really interesting, it was about a Muslim guy who refused to help an elderly partner who they were sharing a cab together to go to a meeting, help her out of a cab, because he said it was against his religious principles. And so, you know, you get this situation, and it's like time and again, it's like, man, like, okay, that's good. They're recognizing that we exist on one level. But then they know us too well. Like, <laughs> And then, then, you know, it's like, yeah, we know, like, I'm not like that, but... You know, Bilal in accounting, he's crazy. He doesn't shake anyone's hand. So, you know, there's this, this situation. I understand the ruling. I mean, personally, I, you know, someone who's done professional, uh, you know, career management for a long time, I've been able to, you know, navigate that, those, those gender issues. And I, but I would think it's interesting that people don't put their humanity, at least in some way of, of their mentality. They become so stricture. So when we talk to people 
like why don't you shake people's hands? They'll point to a hadith. But then more importantly, they don't understand that, that there's filters of interpretation that resulted in this person acting this way. And more importantly, this person may not be acting in the spirit of the law. Yes, maybe he has the, the, the literalism down, but not the, the application is not there. And so what happens is someone who maybe thought this person was good and this and that, and obviously now they have a, they have a negative viewpoint of him and whatever he may believe in. So I think this is like where we're kind of at. This is just one yeah. example, but there's so many like there's this. There's multiple yeah. facets of, right. of a priority that needed to take place. You know, and I think mentally as one. a Muslim, it, it takes a toll. Like it mentally is a strain. Can I eat this? You know, like I was just talking to someone that they're offering halal chicken sausage for breakfast. But there was a Muslim woman, and she just wouldn't take anyone's word for it. I had to, like, right. inter I had to mm. tell her, like, I'm one organizer. It was on, here it is, it's written on the paper. But nothing was good enough for her because it looked too much like sausage. So it's like, if it's so uncomfortable to eat, then just don't eat it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, this is, uh, Sisami, you want to say something? No, no, I wanted to go back to... Oh, he wants to be more intellectual. He's just like, I'll forget about this chicken yeah, sausage. Yeah, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. If you want to address this, yeah, yeah, let, me, let me just say a few words about this. I think... On a popular level, on popular popular uh, religious practices, you're always going to find this. People are, most of the people are driven by the fear of offending God and offending the rules. And the rules are, um, are, are to be uh, respected for themselves, not because of, you know, something beyond them. The abudiyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that's a, level of, that's, that's a level of religiosity that is common, that is the most common not just in Islam, in every other religion. That is just how, how popular religion you know, works. People are going to really stick to the do's and don'ts. And that's going to be a, you know, they don't want to get into hellfire. And that's, that view of hellfire is extremely, the fear and so on. Uh, you know, the tarbiyah, there are two levels in here that liberate us from this feeling, that, that really elevate our spirituality and elevate our, elevate our relationship with God. First is to understand that rulings have, in Islam, Rulings, they, they have meanings behind them, and they have they have ilals behind them. They have they have uh, they have causes behind them. They have reasons behind them. Most of the most of the rulings, I'm talking about the ahkam. Most of the rulings that are not abudiya, that are not uh, act of worship and ritualistic in nature, even those many of them have reasons. Uh, most of those are going to be are going to have uh, reasons behind them, and. As the scholars say, the ilal, the, the hukm, the ruling, always move around, move according to the move according to the reasons behind it and the illa behind it. Wujudan wa adaman, you know, in matter of existence and in matter of absence. If the illa is absent, then the ruling should not be there. If the ruling and if the illa is there, then the ruling should be there. And that's why, you know, this this uh, especially in an, in a community that is that is uh, that is literate and educated in America, our Fiqh, our our understanding of the fiqh is still is still not adequate to our to our um, level of in, uh, intellectual sagacity in America, if you will. The the Muslim community is in is an educated community, but our understanding of the fiqh is extremely uh, commoner, if you will. And we want to accept one, and the reason behind that is that the people who the people who convey fiqh are conveying it in that manner, are conveying it in that, 
in that in that way is tying it up to the issue of jannah and nar and so on not to understanding and this is the challenge that we have the new generation will not accept that the new generation will have to be you to get to their hearts to get to their mind you will have to have a very smart discourse about the halal and the haram you have to very have to very have extremely elevated discussion with them to convince them of of why things are the way they are or why this hukum and so and you can just like resort to oh this is just like go ahead and believe in it one of the reasons why we lose people is that our discourse in this matters is rigid and we have to and, and it's not you know the way we the, uh, it's rigid because we're 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 not able yet to find extremely smart ways of dealing with it we we we're, we're taking every single thing in a matter of worship no no every single thing is a matter of worship you know imam ghazali rahmatullahi ta'ala he says in al mustasfa that you know the, the most of the mu'amalat are most of the mu'amalat and most of the the, uh, uh, the verses most of the ahkam are have reasons behind them have reasons behind them so um, we have to we have to Instead of instead of just always bringing the tradition of the 19th century and the 18th century and the 17th century back as answer to our question to, to the inquiries of today, I think it behooves us to, especially the fuqaha, especially the people who are concerned about this, uh, to start thinking in a forward forward way, in a, in in to 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 put the fiqh forward and to to start to start engaging in the issues of today with the mentality of today. Without losing our, without losing our principles, without losing our commitment to Allah Taala and His Messenger, without putting the Quran and the Sunnah in the in 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 the bank in 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 the in, in the back. In fact, we have to prioritize the Quran and the Sunnah. We have to not and not, we have to prioritize them. We have to bring them to the fore more, because in th- I think that in them there is solutions. There is there are solutions that for a lot of our issues. Allah Taala. Uh, Sidi Hassan, I want to go back to this issue of preservation. And, um, you know, just for the, first of all, for the benefit of our listeners, when we speak about maqasid al-sharia, and correct me if I'm wrong, we're talking about the preservation, the objectives of sharia. And traditionally, uh, you'll read in the books of the scholars um, that the preservation of, the objectives of sharia is in the preservation of any number of things. They'll say five, the preservation of of, uh, iman, of faith, and then life. Uh, wealth, um, intellect, and progeny, right? And if I understand you correctly, the the concern here of rooting everything in preservation is that it can become a justification for, you know, for despotism, for tyranny, you know, rooting everything in the language of we need to do this for stability, for preservation of life, or even worse, maybe not um, talking about the five objectives, but when we speak about um, issues maybe of worship or something else, we start using maqasid's objective-based arguments to justify things that are considered fixed in Islam. You know, as a famous example, um, modesty and hijab, right? Um, so first of all, I want to I want to just confirm if, if that's where you're going with it. And the second uh, question I had is, has there been any kind of uh, attempts by modern scholarship to, uh, to re-examine this? I mean, the, the example that's coming to my mind is Tlaher ibn Ashur. I believe is the one who introduced the sixth one, which is like the the preservation of one's honor and dignity, right? So, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a very good question. Jazakallah I think Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi ta'ala, introduced uh, introduced the ard. Oh, okay. 
but it was emphasized in a very in a very beautiful way with with the Tahrib Nashr. And I think I think uh, one of the most important work to be translated and commented upon is the work of Tahrib Nashr, rahmatullahi taala, on the maqasid. Um, also, the the Al Alfasi, rahmatullahi taala, maqasid Sharia one of the most beautiful thing it has two or three chapters in there that are extremely need to be translated for 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 the the english audience for for the western audience to, to uh, in general um yeah there, there is a real danger of prioritizing maqasid there is a, and overlooking the overlooking the detail overlooking the ahkam and so and and legitimizing every single thing with the maqasid and and it becomes a way to it becomes a way to release oneself from the the actual details, ahkam, and so. Again, we, you know, I assume that the audience is well grounded in the well grounded in their commitment to Allah and His Messenger, and you know, when people are committed to Allah and His Messenger, you know, they're going to understand that there are non-negotiables, and hijab is one of them. In fact, hijab had never been discussed except in modern time. There is no scholar ever who had ever said that, oh, you could take your hijab off ever, whether it's Sunni, whether it's Shiai, whether he was, this is a 20th century, this is a 20th century issue, right, forced on us. So, and when when we have to cater to modernity and we have to cater to liberalism by using our tools, by using tradition, that's one of the worst exercises that a scholar could be engaged in. You know, to take that which is sublime and beautiful and so, and try to cater to liberal values or, uh, you know, modernity or postmodern values, just so we can fit in. Um, that's the word. No, the idea in here is that this is an internal discussion for us that extremely essential because we believe that the Sharia had shades. We believe the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, uh, uh, he said, um, I'm not going to comment on the political side of the, of the hadith. The Prophet said the Quran and good governance, Sultan, are going to separate. So turn with the Quran wherever the Quran turns. So the, I want to stop with the Quran turns. So what does that exactly means? What does that exactly mean? The Quran turns because every generation and every every time and every space will bring a shade of the Quran that is different than the other time and different than the other. So, the, but the Quran is going to have those shades, and we have to look for those, and we have to trace those shades of the Quran. We have to do that. As Allah, it's something that Allah Taala had put into the into the hands and the hearts and the minds of the Ummah of the Prophet especially the scholars. So. So in case, in, instead of bringing the shades that the Qur'an had on, you know, 10 centuries ago and try to put them on the realities of today, you'll find that probably some of those shades are irrelevant. That doesn't mean that we are neglecting the Qur'an in here. No, no. But the shade of the Qur'an at that time was such that it was fitting that reality it is not fitting this reality in here. The, our understanding of the maqasid and how they were formulated and historically will make us understand. Will make us. Um, will make us work hard to figure out what are the maqasids of today. I, I would put adl and justice at the fore. Imam Imam Shatib Taala put it in some put adl in some thing. If I'm if I'm not 
mistaken, like some something that is just complementary. Is it complementary now? You know, is it complementary at the time of cor- corporatocracy, at a time where where millions of people are are suffering tremendously under 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 regimes that are and scholarship support that? You know what I mean? And just because we have this heritage that says just just you know just accept it. But it, is is Sheikh has that has that always been the discussion in terms of the macaws in terms of the preservation? When you talk about say preserving. Uh, the family or preserving the aql, preserving deen. Um, I guess the assumption I would think the assumption would be here is that that person ha- is a is a has a full fledged deen or a full fledged intellect or a full fledged family. But we're dealing in dealing situations where people have, have are diminished in that or have lost that. Then like. Has there been has there been a classical discussion about that? It's not just about preserving that; it's actually about about uplifting uplifting those things again, going from preservation to promotion. Or has it always been just about preserving what is there as it is? Uh, to my knowledge, as it may be. Yeah, to my knowledge, I think I mean reading reading Imam Shatib Rahmatullahi Taala and, what, and Imam Shatib is the is the is the most um, is is the most um, elaborate expression of the maqasid, the most elaborate, the most uh, sagacious, right, uh, uh, expression of that, of, of the maqasid. And he, he, he you, know, you know, you could find snippets here and snippets there. Ibn Aqeel, rahmatullahi ta'ala alayh, for example, said that you could, Ibn Aqeel al-Hanbali, had a beautiful, had a, that Ibn Qayyim, rahmatullahi ta'ala, quotes, had a beautiful, had a beautiful quote about justice, for example. Yeah, and, and, you know, you could find people like that, you could find single scholars but it's not waves it's not movement and it didn't solidify as as the sta- uh, it didn't solidify as the, the the core of scholarship or the or the standard traditional view right but it is there you know and and we have to go back and and earth it and earth it and we have to go back and and so i, I don't think there is reading al imam shatibi i don't see that there is there is promotion of 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 those values there is preservation. I, I think that they felt that they talk about something called um, the eggshell of Islam, you know, Baydatul Islam, the eggshell of Islam. And they were so keen and they were so deliver, they're so delicate dealing with you know dealing with it. So anything that's going to uh, that's going to crack the eggshell of Islam, we have to we have to stay away from it and so on and so forth. Even if it has, if it's a good value, for example, like justice or so, and so on, good governance and so on. Um, but they, 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 they had the realities. I think you know. I'm not saying that as a critique to them. I'm saying that that this is the ijtihad of their times, and they really did a good job preserving the realities of Islam socially, economically, and and legally. You know, Islam was you know the justice system was working. In a most beautiful way, the judge was a faqih, the judge was was a scholar, um, the the uh, and the realities were and to some degree were under their control, even if the even if the 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 elite, for example, political or political or otherwise or social were 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 was not under their control. But the the commoners, they had a system that worked for them. And they were they were okay with that, and I think it was extremely smart and it was extremely good for 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 the for for Islam at that time. And so my idea, my, my my take on this is that why are we? Is this something that we have to emulate now? Is this something that we have to take face value and that's it? 
and just you know legitimize every single thing you know um, I think that for us to for the challenges of Islam right now the challenges of Islam especially on the Shari level are tremendous and are deep and you can't just answer them just by resorting to the same to the same system. It has to be. This is not a call to completely toss off also al fiqh. This is not a call to toss off all the issues of the maqasid. Maqasid is the culmination of also al fiqh, and also al fiqh is the greatest thing that the Muslims had brought. You know, so to come and say, you know, no, but this is an adjustment and adjustment to the, to that. So it will, so it would do its job in a in a time that is changing. You know what I mean? It's say can do its job in the most in 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 the most challenging time. The, it, I look, for example, at example. I look at examples in the Muslim history and how they they really reacted to crises. Um, Imam Ghazali, for example, in the Shari level, you know, he got us, he got us, he got us mizan al amal, and he got us how to think about how to think about scholarship, and he got us, he got us ihya alum din. And you read, for example, the Kitab al-Aqaid in Ihya Ulum Deen, and there are a lot of things in here that contradict the scholars of Aqidah. There is a lot, and his his war, quote-unquote war, against the fuqaha is well known in Ihya Ulum Deen. So th- there is a serious critique of how things have been, do- have been done. I don't see that critique in the public discourse. I don't see that this in, in our scholarship. I don't see, I see an elevation of a tradition that, that is great, and I, and I'm part of that tradition, and I celebrate that tradition. But I don't think that this is what we need right now. I think we need to we need to question the tradition. And the questioning here does not mean not in a skeptic way. Right. Question means like to to bring the best of that tradition and take it to the next level. It's a living tradition. You know what I mean? It's not a dead tradition, especially the fiqh. You know, shakht or I don't know who's who's that. He said like the fiqh is the wrongly wrongly saying wrongly. He said is that the fiqh. To some degree, to some degree, they said the genius of Islam is culminated in fiqh, culminated in law, right? So if that is the case, quote unquote, if that is the case, right, then that genius had stopped long time ago, right? So when do we, you know, so our ways of teaching, our ways of centralizing law in every discussion of, uh, in every institution of ilm and so, had to be, on the way we teach it and the manuals we teach and so, it have to be extremely curated. It had to be extremely looked at in a very critically, in a very critical manner, a very analytical manner. You can't just teach it as a, as a nostalgic thing. You know what I mean? Oh, this book has been taught in, in the madrasas for, you know, for six centuries. Good. Well, all those three centuries or four centuries, Islam had been, you know, all those, all those times, this is the downturn of Islam. So the fact that that book was taught at that time, you know, uh, I don't think that it's something good. You know what I mean? So this is the idea. The idea in here is not to wage a war against our tradition. No, it's to bring our tradition to the fore in a way that that is that is coherent, in a way that is in a way that goes along with the, with the, with 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 the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet And if we dig enough, we'll find within the our heritage, we find we find enough precedents, and we have we find enough opinions that 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 actually support the things that we want to do. But if we only resort to triumphalism, just like you know everything is was good before, everything before was good, we just have to go back to it. I don't think that's a good attitude. 
So, I mean, essentially what, what you're trying to say, just again, from my own understanding, is that um, the evolution of usul and the evolution of maqasid kind of normalized uh, and canonized what, it, what these disciplines are. And what, what, what you're suggesting is not to come up with new things necessarily, but it's to look inside the tradition of things that weren't necessarily normalized that might be more appropriate. And you, you mentioned the example of Adil and, and, and Rahma, you know, as Ibn Qayyim said. Um, and, and, that's, and the Prophet Sallallahu I mean, he, this is what the role of the Mujaddid is, right? You know, uh, you talked about Imam al-Ghazali and, you know, Shah Waliullah Dihlavi was uh, played that kind of role in, in examining uh, the, 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 his, his context and his tradition. You know, is, is that a correct characterization? Well, sure. I, I, again, um, you know, the, the issue of the Mujad, yeah, that's, that's one thing that, about, about the, that the Ummah is always in a need and always in in need of of that of that character but um we have to understand again that uh, you know the the waiting mentality is never a good mentality it's like you know we're waiting for jesus to come with a wand on a white horse and just touch the ground and and touch touch people and then things are going to change um i think uh we all have to play a role in that tajdeed we all have to play a role in that tajdeed because the hadith of the prophet Relative pronoun in here, men who who you know, at at the at the at the beginning or at the at the at the beginning of every century, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will send a a to the ummah somebody who is going to men somebody who is going to renew uh, or revive its its religion for it for it for it. Um, uh, yeah, this hadith is Sahih. Hamlah is good. We have been a lot of scholars have talks about you know uh, talked about. The, the, who is the Mujaddid of the first century? Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, Imam Shafi'i, and so on and so forth. Imam Ghazali, by the way, Imam Subki, Imam Subki, or I think Imam Subki, you know, in his tabaqat, uh, ch- chosen them all Shafi'is, by the way. <laughs> they're all Shafi'is. None of them is Maliki just, or, or, or Hanbali. So they're all Shafi'is. Um, the idea in here is that the men in here could be a person or could be a group of people. So men in Arabic does not mean just, you know, it could be a group of people. Mm-hmm. So there is no way the ijtihad of today is an individual ijtihad. The, 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 the scholarship is so expanded. The issues are so, you know, the issues of whether it's economic or social or political or, or, or uh, you know, are extremely complicated and or just you know medical, extremely complicated for one person to take, to take on mm-hmm. uh, on their own. This is this is this is an this is a job for, for this is a job for huge groups, coherent in their thoughts, committed, and of great expertise and a great expertise in the Islamic Sharia, and also with 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 great knowledge of the issues that they are going to be dealing with. Um, this is the issue of institutions. It's not just you know the men in here now. It's now, do we play a role in this? Of course we play a role in this. We have to elevate the example of the Prophet ﷺ in dealing with things. We have to bring those, we have to bring up those Sira events and those personal events of the Prophet ﷺ that change our views of of how the tradition had been had been had been had been um, uh, had been handed to us. There is a there is a current that's that in every orthodoxy there is a current that that always overwhelms the other currents, and that's how it became orthodoxy. And those, those, those currents, not always 
the work of, it's always the work of a human being and circumstances and so on and so forth. And we have to study those. We have to change the, we have to change the tide. We have to change the discourse from being completely legalistic view to bring people to start, you know, breathing Islam in a different way. And we can only do that if we centralize the Quran, centralize the Sunnah, and go back and be extremely keen in picking up from our tradition that which is that which bring people to their to their to their senses and bring them to their bring them to their you know pride about the about the tradition. So it's not a small job to do, and it's not a job of one. It's a job of of, of so many. Each one of us can do a little a little thing according to where they're at. In the, whether they are students of ilm or they are scholars or they are mujtahids. And so each one, they have a role to play. Muslim commoners have to, have to, play, have to play a role. Again, elevating, elevating the discourse of, look at, look at I, I just give an example of, we keep on feeding this beast of fatwa onlines, and uh, not fatwa onlines, like fatwa, direct fatwas. And you see, you go to the channels and you find, you go to the Muslim uh, countries and you find like a mufti sitting down for five hours giving fatwas. Fatwa chats. You know, right fatwa now. chats and, yeah. and stuff like that. You know, we, we really trivialize our deen, you know, and we have to stop with certain practices that, that doesn't fit the way we want Islam to be in the next, in tomorrow and after tomorrow. And Unless we do that, as 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 normal Muslims, you know, we we are going to feed that beast. Mm-hmm. We are going to feed those extremely weird fatwas and extremely weird understanding and extremely weird. These are from people who are sincere. Um, so, so I mean, one of the things along with that, in, in terms of what both the you know the top scholar as well as the commoner, uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, about the Quran, about different shades of meaning over time. Um, and, you know, as we were talking about earlier, like with Erfan's example, you know, about like that from his work event, um, you know, in terms of how is it also a, a, a way that we need to um, cultivate a different way of, of thinking about scenarios? Because I think what, what we do as, as Muslims, and I think for a lot of orthodoxy and other religious traditions is we look at we look at those the like from a very as you said a very legalistic so we want to have the black and white we want to have like this is the the ruling um this is what is uh, halal and this is what is haram but with all situations of life not every single thing is always going to fall precisely in that those two um clear boxes we have to look at different angles of a certain situation like for example this the of the uh, and an elderly woman coming out of a car or something like that, you know, maybe there's other elements that you have to consider, not just that the physical touch, but you have to look if there's, there's a danger, is she going to fall, looking at all different types of angles. So it's also a matter of us trying to expand our minds to be able to look and understand that there are different angles and different perspectives. And I, I'd like to hear, like, what role does the spirit, our spiritual life, play in in cultivating that ability to look at it from different angles and to expand the meanings to to appreciate those different shades that can maybe push us forward with our understandings of the maqasid in our society today. You know, Jazakallah, have a question. This is a beautiful, beautiful question. Um, I think one of the one of the calamities that happened in I don't know if it's calamity, but it's it's I think it's a natural it's a natural development of how. Um, our tradition developed, how our tradition came, came to us is that there was a separation between the disciplines. At the time of the Prophet ﷺ, every single thing was, was, 
was like in a capsule. Every single thing, hadith and Quran and ethics and all of that was given to them in a capsule. And then because of the nature of people, the nature of people dwindled and weakened. They had to, they had to specialize and they had to compartmentalize and, and so on. And we end up with, you know, we, we end up with so many disciplines and each one of them is, is having its own, you know, uh, course of, of uh, development and so on. Um, I think for us to, to bring back I think we should bring back, we should, we, you know, the, the separation between ethics and the ethics and and uh, and law, for example, theology and law, for example, and so on and so forth. Those have to be have to come together again. They have to come together. The challenges of the modern the modern men is not the legal issues. This is not the legal issues. The answer that we have to bring to the modern man as a community, as a, as 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 a Muslim community, have something to offer to the to the humanity at this moment right now, is the ethical spiritual part. The ethical and spiritual part. What other traditions are lacking right now is commitment to deep ethical and commitment thing. And and I I'm I, I'm not insulting any other tradition. It's just a description of how things are going. Look, you've seen. Couple of couple of years ago, those those um, th- those um, you know uh, chaplains and priests are putting their hands on Trump to bless him, right? So it's not a this is a moral failure, you know. And, the, and when religions are having issues with their moralities, um, you know, forty you know fifty two percent of Catholics voted for Trump. Um, it, it, this is this is not a you know the child abuse da 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 and so on and so forth. These are not this is not legalistic issues. These are moral mm. failures of traditions, right? And the the rise of you know the rise of of LGBT community and acceptance and all of that. And so it's, these are failures of the religious communities. It's moral failures of the religious communities. What we need to step in to do is to to really highlight the moral the, the morality of Islam more to, more than more than just the legalistic part. Our legalistic part has to be smart and has to be has to has to be, you know, sagacious as I said. But at the same time, we have to highlight our morality. We have to highlight our ethics. So the the the, the spiritual part is extremely essential. Is extremely essential. People are not going to follow the law just because they're not going to follow the law just because it is it is coming from the it is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or it is correct or it is the right. No. People follow the law because of their adherence to Allah Ta'ala and the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as much as we invest in the that's what Prophet invested 13 years in Mecca, just no laws, no, no laws, no, no laws, no whatsoever on the spiritual part of it. So when the laws came in, they were ready to do whatever, whatever it is. The 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 the, the, the foundation was extremely strong to carry on the the, the edifice of, of law and the edifice of, of, of building a society and so on and so forth. So for, for us, um, at this moment right now, the challenge is not just to say to, to figure out what is the halal, what is the halal. The, the, the challenge is to make our, our community and especially our youth believe that, that there, is, there is meaning in Islam, there is meaning in and so, and there is meaning that is way better and way um, pure 
than than what's in the marketplace out there. We have to we have to make it we have to emphasize our spiritual part. We have to emphasize it in practice, not just in talks. We have to emphasize it in from a very early on. We have to connect people to the Prophet ﷺ. Have to connect people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a very loving way. So I love something that Sheikh Mukhtar always he coined this. He coined this, you know, um coined this this concept. He he calls it a the loving submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Loving submission and i love it because submission always brings the sense of you know it's that you're subjugating yourself to something yeah, you're yes. lowering yourself to something else when you say loving submission to some to something else everybody loves something and you find yourself rushing to serve the one that you love in ways that are that are, that are sometimes beyond what you can beyond that are irrational right so um when we we have to emphasize that in the practices we do in the in our khutbas in our public discourse in every single thing loving submission to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to and to highlight really highlight the moral and ethical side of islam and to bring it to theorize it in a way that really counter the the counter the 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 the, the counter the, the the hegemony of desires and the hegemony of, of, of trivialism, and the hegemony of, of consumerism, and the hegemony of all of what you know really strips the human being for the be- from the best of what the human being is, the be- from the best of what the human being is, which is its soul and its and its and its heart. We we have to be forceful in that. We cannot be shy in that regard. We have to be extremely forceful because people are in need of it. Because people are thirsty of it. There is no way we can solve the riddle of the next generation without emphasizing the spiritual experience. There is, there is no way. The legal answer is, is inadequate. And this is just the reality. The legal answer is inadequate. Unless we provide a deep spiritual experience, we're going nowhere. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Hassan, for a very thoughtful discussion. And I hope uh, a really important points for us, for our introspection about just as, as both as individuals and as, as a community, and hopefully this can be um, spur some conversations in our community about uh, being very thoughtful and deliberate and and um, it's also the, I mean it's also very empowering because usually when you think of these kind of legal theory issues usul and maqasid you're at least myself I'm usually thinking of big scholars that mm-hmm. this is their realm of discussion and what I, what was new to me today is that we all have a role to play albeit even if it's not in um, actually penning the words that are these new soul or whatever you want to call it, but actually contributing to how we conceptualize them. And um, it's a very empowering message for all of us. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Hassan. As always, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we thank you very much for taking the time to, to be with us. And of, of course, we would love to have you on again. We hope to, to see you on again. You're, you know, we, a lot of feedback we get from podcasts is like we want to hear more from you. So uh, I hope you can come on again uh, on, uh, on the podcast. And I want to thank all our listeners for joining us today for another episode. Please share the, the podcast uh, with your friends, family, anyone you might think would benefit. And also keep us in your dua, and and uh, and and we we'd love to for you to continue our support of the podcast. Oh, Sheikh Hassan has a one final point. I, I just wanted to 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 to, to state my um, sincere gratitude for 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 Iman Wire for you, Sti uh, Muhammad and Sti Sami. Jazakumullah kulla khair and Sti Arfan. May Allah Taala reward you um, for doing this again. This is this these are I, I wanted to make a disclaimer. This is a these are all what I say uncooked ideas, right? But 
um, I think they are necessary to talk about on a, on a public realm. And Jazakumullah kulla khair for making Iman Wire always a venue uh, to talk about ideas that are, that are, that are you know, maybe uncooked, maybe, in, but to start a discussion and to start a debate. Uh, yeah, that's start, why we started this. Yeah. It's, it's a series of discussions, you yeah. know, it's, and we're not going to come up with the answers. Yeah. I mean, the podcast, I mean, and this, this certainly for our podcast, and I'm sure it's for other podcasts too. I mean, we're not, we're not claiming to come up with the answers. We're claiming to, we're trying to have discussions to spur on conversations in the community that we can get efforts and initiatives to, you know, address these things that we're discussing. So, uh, again, thank you all for, for joining us. And until then, assalamu alaikum, peace be unto you.